Welcome back to Are You a Fan, where we explore individual characters from your favorite sci-fi, action, and fantasy genres. A big thank you to Moonbound Productions for supporting today's episode. If you would like to express your support, please like and share the show. Here's your hosts, Dick Rail and Joker. Hey folks, uh, Dick Rail here with my co-host Joker. Uh, if you like any of our info and any of our podcasts, go give us a like on Facebook and check us out. Why don't you uh, hop on this train and get wrecked? I'll also help you when we start doing our voting for who you guys want to hear. Oh, That's yeah. That's a great place to do it. That would be a solid place to do it because, honestly, I am not on point with TikTok. So let's uh, let's go into it. Who we got, who we got this week, Joker? Well, first, let's start off with a question. If you could be any Sith Lord, who would you be? So I don't know if he was a Sith Lord. I'd be that immortal dude. The one who just couldn't die because he was too angry. He shows up in the Knights of the Old Republic. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't remember the games enough to even do, remember his name. I do remember one of his my favorite lines from him was, You can strike me down a hundred times and I will stand up a hundred and one. He, he, he did. Darth Sion. Well, at least somebody has the ability to look things up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of his whole thing. He had to be coaxed into dying. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, mad props. What about you? Honestly, probably go with Darth Revan. I mean, it, with the way he was in his story, you know, he, he left the Jedi with a whole bunch of warriors to go fight the Mandalorians because he refused to stand by as the Mandalorians just wrecked the galaxy. No, nah, and he's also... He's a pretty nuanced character. So that, and honestly, I, I enjoy his story about swapping back and forth between the light and the dark, and you just couldn't pick a side. I mean, you know, who can? Uh, one side, you look awesome and great, got great powers. The other side, you get to be a force ghost. Right. Which, uh, at some point, we should probably do one on him, because he's got, actually got a really interesting story. I'd be on, down. Especially in, on how he went back to the Jedi. I'd be down in the future. So, uh, fans, there's a call out for you. Uh, come and let us know if you want to hear about Darth Raven. Revan. There you go. <laughs> there we go. But that leads us in today, who is arguably noted in multiple medias as, especially force-wise, one of the most powerful Sith Lords. And Sheev Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious. So I am just finding this out right now. His first name is Sheev. Sheev. Yep, it is S-H-E-E-V. Huh. Which we kind of go into um, part of his early childhood on why that's not a very well-known name for him. Okay, okay, cool, 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 because that's uh, definitely that was throwing me off there looking at that. <laughs> let's go, let's move so, on. So, he was born in 84 BBY, and for those, if you haven't watched our Luke Skywalker ones, the abbreviation is for Battle Before the Battle of Yavin. Um, he died in his original body in 4 ABY, which stands for After the Battle of Yavin. And then his clone body died in 35 ABY. And I guess we should probably talk about it now. This is majority of only canon knowledge. We, yep. Um, we're not doing a two-part for this one. No, there's just there's way too much. Um, and he was born on the planet of Naboo. See, that part I did know. Yep. That, that's one of the only ones that are kind of well-known about him. Just, I mean, that's part of why he was their senator and 
It, it comes up a few times, especially in the comics nowadays. Okay, fair, fair. So what do we got here? Uh, early life. Let's start so, there. This is a disclaimer about especially his early life. Um, his early life and many things in his background behind the movies... Disney kind of erased a lot of it and hasn't been expanded on since Disney took over. Um, especially his early childhood, like none of it exists anymore. So we're just are, so I'm gonna kind of take a page out of some of the Star Wars YouTubers that I listen to, and since none of it really contradicts yet, we're gonna talk about some of the Legends lore that could still be valid to kind of shape him as a character. I mean, with the way that um, Iron Man's um, chauffeur is fixing the Star Wars universe, I think we can assume right. he'll bring this in. Eventually, it, it might depend on how much they want to expand on Palpatine. I mean, it'd be an interesting backstory to follow. Just do a little animation of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, what we got here? Uh, he was born in a uh, noble family on the planet Naboo which we already kind of slightly covered, uh, raised in Theed, the capital city of the planet. Hmm, didn't know that was what it was called. Yeah, if you only really, I think that's, I mean, besides being, besides the Gungan town, that's really the only city you see on that planet. I, uh, yeah. And you kind of see that waterside villa that pa uh, Padme has, but yeah, that's like it. You see Theed. Like, so I mean, like when it blow when the planet gets blown up, like do we really lose that many people? <laughs> right. It's like how many natives are there really besides those two cities? Yeah. Like I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not saying any genocide is bad is bad. <laughs> I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying in a entire galaxy of like very thriving planets, was it really the biggest loss we've we've had? No. no. Compared to, you know, things like Alderaan. Alderaan. You know, going back to one of your comments, and I want to say it was the Luke Skywalker episode where you wanted to compare his <laughs> kill count with, you know, someone else he's kind of based on. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. So, as you kind of wanted to compare it to Hitler, um, so... If you count just the Jedi that Palpatine killed compared to Hitler, Hitler definitely beat him a lot because it was just around 10,000 Jedi that were credited to Palpatine in his Order 66. Holy cow. Where according to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, Hitler killed around 17 million people. Hitler only ki or Hitler killed in total with everybody he, he put into the camps. Just around 17 million. When you count in Alderaan alone, Palpatine killed 2 billion. So, Suck it, Hitler. We know who actually won that fight. <laughs> oh, I, damn. I think it was like, I think it was only like 12,000 Jedi or something like that. Like, it was still enough to where there was still a large portion that did survive. Okay, but so. he still was credited with killing the majority of it. So this is our top runner now for most kills. It's uh, Palpatine. <laughs> with uh, two billion. Which, if we're being honest, I'm pretty sure Genghis Khan killed more than Hitler at one point. But let's uh, that's for another podcast. I I mean, this is also only counting the one planet that is credited to something that is tied to Palpatine. True, true. I Palpatine. Mean, the entire two wars that were because of him, it is definitely well above two billion. <laughs> Including Alderaan. 
I mean, now I guess we also can count the three wars because of the new movies. Oh, yeah, that is true. And he blew up, what, three planets with one blast? Three or four, something like that. I don't remember. As much as I don't want to rewatch that one. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that was the first one. That was the first. That was the good one. Never mind. I'm okay with watching that one. That was the good one. I'm okay with watching the first and last. <laughs> okay, All well. Right, so back on the topic. Back on topic. Um, he would recognize early on. He was different from others around him, feeling the power within himself, believing he was born to lead. Yeah, kind of went into that because, like, he could already kind of feel the, his strength and the force subconsciously, and he just thought himself already better than everybody else around him. Okay, that's you know, that tracks as far as a ego maniacal, and which really that thought process alone kind of fueled everything he did growing up. I could see that easily. Um, because of that, you know, he was actually highly ambitious and desired his family to take a greater role in the politics of Naboo. Uh, he would actually soon realize his family did not share the same ambition, which would lead him to start to hate his family. This hatred would lead to him start his machinations to kill his parents. He wanted to kill his father due to lack of motivation to move up in Naboo politics. And he wanted to kill his mother for not pushing the family to be better. Oh, Jeez. Yeah, so very early on, because I think, I want to say he was only not even quite in his teens yet, from what I remember reading, because they don't really talk about when all this happened, even in Legends. They don't really pinpoint it, but I don't think he was that old. I think he was still in what we would consider like middle to early high school. My God. Yeah, he's like... already wanting to commit, you know, patricide and... I don't remember the term for wanting to kill your mother. Uh, mudricide? We're going to go with that because I, I don't remember. <laughs> mudricide? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, that's me- that's that's pretty messed up thought process for a kid. Start having, like, like I get, like, wanting your parents dead if they were alcoholics or abusive and that, but just right. being like, being like, whoa, wait, you guys are okay with that? We're just a normal, average, loving family? You know, we're just a normal, average, uh, royal family, you know, we're not any higher up. Yeah. Pathetic. <laughs> it's one of those like, whoo, man, we really need to get this kid into therapy. Right. Uh, he would be disgusted by his family as an act of spite would stop using his given name and demand only to be referred to by his family name. So hence why Sheev is very unknown to a lot of people is because at a certain point he refused to go by it. Where all you all he was known by was his was by his family name, huh? Because, I think that only bothers me because I've met people like that, right? But he just he hated his parents so much he didn't want to use the name they gave him. I guess I can <laughs> kind of get it, but it's still like yeah, de- definitely some early warning signs on this. Guy. Oh yeah, red flags. I'm seeing red flags. Oh yeah. Um, so even in legends and canon there's no real definite date to when he became darth sidious and the sith apprentice to darth plagueis um there is in legends they do talk about he did meet plagueis as plagueis's alter ego um hugo damas yeah he would meet him as a child in naboo and with like naboo politics because plagueis wanted to go he felt this force but one thing that Palpatine was very good at was hiding himself for the, from the Force and his abilities in the Force. So when Pal- when uh, Plagueis first met him, 
he just felt a void where Palpatine was. And that's kind of what... Oh, wow. Because even Plagueis didn't want an apprentice. But because of this ability that this child was showing, he's like, I'm going to change my mind just for you. I mean, dude, that... When you think about it, that was kind of his... Like, yeah, that's his crowning achievement force ability. Oh, Because yeah. he literally fooled the Jedi who... That kind of explains, though, like, as you're watching these movies, and every time he shows up and Yoda's around, it's like, how do you not see him? Right. How do you not see him? That, and it was definitely his, uh, kind of his favorite thing that he could do, especially you know, as he's causing the Clone Wars and everything, and the, and he's just standing there next to his greatest enemy, and they can't tell it's him. That is an insanely impressive ability. Right. Like, that's Krillin levels of suppressing power. <laughs> Kill and kill count. <laughs> Ding. Boom. Okay. Anyway. Um, so during his time with Plagueis, like all Sith, he would learn about the rule of two. I mean, obviously amongst many other things that Plagueis knew. And Plagueis literally taught him everything like he talked about in episode three. Everything except how to stop death. I mean, they kind of figured a way out, which I, if I remember correctly, we kind of talk about that later. But. Okay. When we get to that, I do want to bring up some theories that I have, but uh, we will talk about when we get there. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got. With, uh, with the help of his master, Palpatine would use his public persona and embark on his career in galactic politics, becoming the senator of his homeworld. Which, you know, you got to start somewhere. Exactly, you know. That was kind of their beginning of their machinations for the Sith Grand Plan of having a Sith at the head of the galaxy. Which is kind of brilliant. It's that whole... Um, nobody expects the evil underlying people to play by the rules. Have you seen our politics? <laughs> okay, in fantasy <laughs> novels, nobody expects it. Okay. In a in a decent world with decent beans, nobody expects it. Okay, that yeah, that is that's that's fair. <laughs> in America, it's one of those like, oh, I'm voting for this guy. It's like, mm, they're all evil. <laughs> Heck, not just us everywhere. Ah, true. As seen in episode one, Palatine would start to work his pawns and machinations by appearing only as a hooded figure through holographic transmissions. And he begin he would begin with Trade Federation and manipulate New Gunray into becoming their vo- viceroy. Similarly, he would position Geonosis and Pago the Lesser into being the Archduke of Geonosis and becoming the controller of the droid foundries. Which he would use those foundries in combination with the Trade Federation to build that massive droid army. But he had to have somebody he could control in charge of everything. Which makes sense. And he definitely was in control of that oh, side. Oh, yeah. Like, they definitely, uh, they, I feel as though they knew this was not a man to cross. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Especially in that last, in episode three, when he sends Skywalk or Vader after them. <laughs> it's like, you know, he that promised- always bugs me. Because did these people know that Anakin became Vader? Did Palpatine tell him that? Or did they just assume? Because I know all these leaders knew Luke or Anakin Skywalker. Like, did they just not put two and two together? Or did Palpatine tell them that he became Vader? 
I mean, I feel like he had to, especially just because of one scene where he's about to kill the final guy. And he's like, he's like, no, we spoke to your master. He said we wanted peace. But it's like, you never see the droids open fire on him when he walks in. So I was like, he, they have you have to, to assume, but they never go over that. And it really bugs me to this day. They never fully explain it. They just kind of, they, yeah. They, they brush over it with very broad strokes. Yeah. Like, the most we get is just the confirmation from the one guy he's about to kill that your master said we would have peace. Like, but yeah, that was it. Like, and that, that really still bugs the crap out of me because I know they all know Anakin. I mean, they Especially Gunray, who he killed like that. Yeah, like, <laughs> they all kind of do know Anakin. I mean, it's hard not to know the biggest war criminal in the Empire. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, um... whether or not I am mentally ready to attempt another paragraph. <laughs> okay, let's go for it. In, uh, f- in 54 BBY, Palpatine would travel to uh, Dothamir, Dothamir and receive the infant Maul from the Night Sisters and start his training in the dark side. This was done with the approval of his master as Maul was only being trained as a Sith assassin and not a true Sith Lord. So it wouldn't break the rule of two. Huh. So yeah, officially, similar to what you see with Dooku and Asajj Ventress in the Clone Wars, especially in the cartoon series. Yeah. Maul was only intended as a assassin, or at least as far as Palpatine wanted to tell his master, that was all he was supposed to be. Which he has obviously had the machinations to make him a true Sith Lord eventually. Yeah. But he... originally he wanted to start that training with the approval of his master to kind of work behind his back without him having to actually work behind his back. Which isn't that kind of just how that rule of two ends up always working? Oh yeah. Is I mean, but that's literally the whole point of the rule of two. I just, the rule, I have problems with the rule of two. I'm sure someday we could do a whole video on that alone. Well, I mean, the point of it makes a lot of sense. It, it, it does, but I feel like some Sith kind of go around, which I guess works because it shows the in- intelligence and the conniving yeah. in that, which makes them more dangerous in that which, regard. And the whole reason behind it, you know, being the ancient Sith have, you know, hundreds of thousands. It was similar to Jedi Order. It was becoming... But they could never make progress against the Jedi because they kept stabbing everybody in the back. And they kept pushing themselves back on accident. I don't actually go about it on here. If we ever do a Dooku, we might, because that was a big part of his story. But, like, Dooku and Pal... Like, Palpatine made Dooku think they were going to have this army of Sith again. So he thought... Dooku thought he was going to be the leader of it. And Dooku got got real blindsided there. That was a... I remember that look of betrayal. (laughs) Ryan's like, what? Like, he was so in shock, he couldn't tell Anakin that he's the real Sith Lord. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> so I always see those memes like, kill him now. He's the real Sith Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what he really should have gone. You gotta wonder, as his head was hitting the ground, if he just didn't think, like, damn it. Like, right. I just one second, I could have ended this. So, in canon... There is no official confirmed date when Palpatine killed his master. Um, the closest we can get is it was within like a year. Um, but in Legends, it is much more precise. 
because it would happen near the time of the Battle of Naboo, you know, which you see in episode one at the end. Um, so the night before his election as Supreme Chancellor, he would get his master drunk and torture him. And he would end up killing him in the long run, obviously. Um, yeah. But at the same time he does this, Maul would be killed by Obi-Wan. He would experience a disturbance in the Force. He feared that his master succeeded in their plans of you know gaining immortality. Um, so he thought his master's spirit had survived. But he would find out later this disturbance was from Maul's death. So they, cons- oh. they coincided with each other. So at least in Legends, you know that when Maul died in Episode One, that's when Plagueis officially is dead. And that kind of that kind of makes sense as to how that could mislead him into thinking one yeah. thing or another. And uh, yeah, Maul died. Yeah, we all thought he died, <laughs> but through spoiler fan alert. intervention. So yeah, spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't watch the cartoons or seen the end of Solo. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that never really did get brought up in the movies except (laughs) once, very obscurely. Yup. That that had to be a real, like, that had to be a real showstopper for some of the fans who'd never watched any of the Clone Wars cartoons. I thought he died forever ago. It's like, did Darth Maul have a brother? Right. Okay. uh, Yeah, he wouldn't even learn of Maul's death until he went to Naboo. After the battle and everything, like he didn't, know, he had no idea. Oh damn! The way they learned of their immortality per se is it was called essence transfer, where they transferred their spirit from one body to the other. Oh yeah. So that's what he feared happened is that his master's essence survived that and went to a new body. Which, you know, honestly, it's shocking that it didn't. Uh... It's a little shocking that his master didn't have like a backup plan for that. To I, think, I think part of it was because he was drunk. Oh, completely in that. Because but... from what I remember reading on that whole story is like Plagueis never got inebriated at all. So the fact that he even let it happen, I feel it was just a riot in of, hey, how do we make sure he kills his master? I feel like that's <laughs> uh, that's some real plot armor being thrown yeah. in there. That's uh, that's a, guys, how do we uh, make this happen? Why don't we get him drunk? You know he's like extremely against that, and that will go against everything that defines his character. Yeah, but I mean, do you have a better plan, Steve? Right. Just put it in. Put it in the book. Nobody's going to read those. And here we are bringing it to light. Right. Okay. Uh, He would learn of Anakin Skywalker and his strong connection to the Force, and being the Jedi's chosen one, and began his plans now to make uh, him his future apprentice. That felt yep. bad. Definitely. Well, yeah, he he learned of Anakin on Naboo at, you know, age 11. And he's like, you're similar to me with your strength in the Force. You're their chosen one. We're going to start these plans now. And it was very, like most of his plans and ploys it was very long in its nature i mean you get them while they're young and it's amazing what you can accomplish with, a oh, ch- yeah. with them i mean look at the look at the jedi they kidnap babies half the time which i ended up listening to a video the other day i guess during wartime they would do it even without the permission of the parents they just went and took the kids so at least during non-war times when they didn't need the pe- the numbers they, they, if they didn't want them to go, they wouldn't take them, but they'd at least keep an eye on them. 
ran more time when they had to make sure their numbers were at a certain point, Holy. and they just went and kidnapped him, like straight up. Holy cow. <laughs> like, just more and more reason why I do not agree with the Jedi Order. Right. In 30 BBY, Palpatine would go to the planet Jakku and start excavation on the planet, which, and he would also meet an orphan named Galley. Um, he would, who he would instruct to protect the dig site. In 20 BBY, he would return to Jakku, and by this time, the Jakku observatory had been completed. And big thing with Palpatine, he built a lot of observatories, mostly that held a lot of things he didn't want people to find, like Sith artifacts. Makes sense. Or later on in the Empire, it'd be Jedi artifacts that he didn't want being brought back to the light. Makes sense, uh think at some point you'd just destroy all that stuff you would think and but you know who, uh, who, i'm just i'm just a critiquer of uh, evil masterminds i'm not one myself right um and after he had returned to jakku after the absor- observatory was completed he'd ex- he would actually explain his long-term plan to galley that his future galactic empire could not be allowed to outlive its emperor and should die prematurely galley would adopt the name gallius rex this was later the man who would be tasked by Palpatine to start the First Order. So, kind of shows how far in advance Palpatine really went. Yeah. Because this is even... Damn. This is before even the Clone Wars. Whew. Which, we're finally down the list long, far enough to actually get to that point in his life. Holy cow, this guy's had one heck of a long history. Oh, yeah. And he definitely... He, he liked the long game. I mean, as somebody else who generally plays the long con in that, mad props, game-recognized right. game. Uh, so let's get here. We got the Clone Wars. Roughly two years before the outbreak of the Clone War, the Confederacy of Independent Systems would form wanting out of the Republic due to corruption in the Senate and other various reasons This would be hijacked by Palpatine, always an opportunist, and his new apprentice, Darth Tyrannus, or also known to the public and the Jedi Order as Count Dooku. They would use this movement to further the Sith grand plan to rule the galaxy. And that's something I'd like to bring up. That was arguably the most confusing part of the Clone Wars series when at one point they just start flip-flopping between Darth Tyrannus and uh, freaking Count Dooku. But that kind of showed his duality and what he was they were trying to do with their grand plan. And also, like, I I understood it for one episode because it was literally... They didn't really know who Darth Tyrannus was. Exactly, it was him. But when they found it out, the the need that they kept flip flopping it after that kept bugging the hell out of me. Well, Darth Tyrannus was involved. Do you mean Dooku? Well, yes, but it was under his name, Darth Tyrannus. That doesn't mean it was, we just need to know that it was him. I think a lot of times it was just easier to put it with when he was officially being a Sith, or if he was trying to be his public persona. And working for the Confederacy and not as a Sith Lord. Because a lot of times he did it intentionally to further these Confederacy's things and not the Sith things, even though they kind of work coincidently. True. And that makes sense. I, I, guess, I guess, you know what? I guess my complaint <laughs> is that it worked. 
Right. I guess my biggest problem with it is that actually, it clearly affected me. So I guess he had something going. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they definitely took advantage of a very valid group who had valid reasons for wanting to leave. And they're like, no, we're, we're going to take advantage of you and you're part of our plans now. I mean, you know, when you play both sides, uh, you're, if no, as long as nobody figures it out, you're going to win. Right. <laughs> uh, what else we got on this? So, shortly after the first Battle of Geonosis, um, Palpatine would publicly show the super weapon the CIS were building as a ploy to frighten official, Republic officials enough to allow him um, to direct full funding towards secretly creating the first Death Star. Which you know we see in the ep- in episode two when Poggle hands him the plan or hands Dooku the plans to it, so they had oh. started these machinations obviously very early on, Damn, which we get into some fun facts about the Death Star since that's something we'll probably never actually cover on its own. Um, Fair. Other groups that funded the creation included the Trade Federation, the Munilist Baking Clan, and the Techno Union, and obviously those were kind of more the publicly known because it was officially being built as the if anybody found out it was a CIS operation, not a Republic one, um, it would take. So the station would take 20 years to complete and tr- three trillion credits to build. Would be completed. So this one kind of jumps way wow. ahead. So much money. Oh yeah. And there's part of the fun facts that goes into uh, actual dollars on how much it would make because people decided to do that math. <laughs> um, but to jump ahead real quick. It would be completed in zero BBY. And I could never find an official date of how long it was operational. But it was only estimated roughly about a week. Between all the different plants it blew up and, and testings. It was never a very long surviving station. <laughs> and then how he just, long it took him to build and the money and he just loses it. And he proceeds to attempt it. Three more, four more times. Not that many. Only two. She only had the second Death Star. Oh, no, you're right. And Three then, more times because he slapped, basically only, made a bunch of mini Death Stars he slapped onto Star Destroyers. Yeah. That was the, the third time okay. I'm technically talking about. That I know planet-wise, he, he compacted, which <laughs> arguably was his smarter idea of being like, guys, instead of having just this large floating target that moves so slowly, right. I always slap this onto the bottom of a bunch of ships that can maneuver. <laughs> but still, I love it because I remember seeing a meme of the SpongeBob thing. It's like, how many times do we have to teach you this, old man? Yeah, because, yeah, I know he, he couldn't get away from his super weapons. And that was really the down. I feel like that was the downfall because they put way too much money and manpower into that. It really is because the amount of money, manpower, and time that went into it. Yes, it's insanely powerful. If you have it, theoretically, you look unstoppable. Which was the whole point of it. It was meant part of what they called in the Empire when it transferred. It was called the Tarkin Doctrine, where that was the whole point, was to make people fear you out of your strength. And which, fair, if it actually, you know, if it didn't fold over like a bad lawn chair. Right. So, the fun fact for the Death Star is, so the British energy supplier, Ovo, uh, calculated the real-world standards. It would cost $7.8 octillion to run this Death Star for a day. And Forbes also estimated that it could cost $825 quadrillion to even build it. Oh, dude, that's just the most unpractical thing ever. 
And then I kind of went further into it and was looking at it like with the supply our planet has, it would take a couple hundred years to build. Like for them to resupply the, the metal and the iron and everything to build it. Like we'd have to go terraforming other planets and do what they did. Oh, you can't even have yeah. a chance to build it. Oh my god! And then obviously we have nothing that can make that weapon, but I mean we can get close, but nothing quite energy based like it. Nah, still like I mean yeah, insanely impressive, just like impractical to a almost Looney Tunes level, right? Like yeah, that was Palpatine's downfall. But guys, I need to play. I want the ball thing. And then they're like, Palpatine, we could rule the galaxy right now easily. And that, no, the ball, the moon. <laughs> Put <in>. the boat. <laughs> <laughs> you in that goddamn boat. So, okay, that was an insane, gross amount of money. Right. Away with that. Uh, we also have uh, Palpatine would play a large part. In the war, in the uh, background, both sides. You know, I think if you've seen the movies, you kind of piece that together. Uh, he would uh, give intel to each side to help it drag on. He wanted to drag the war on for multiple years so that the galaxy would be just desperate for peace at any cost, even giving up their even giving up their personal freedoms. He would also do this to cause public opinion on the Jedi to change from seeing them as peacekeepers and heroes and start to think of them as warmongers. This seems like the complete draft and plan for Hitler's guidebook. Right. Like, damn, if Hitler was an, like an immortal Sith Lord that could, that lived and planned this out years in advance, I would assume Hitler was Palpatine was completely based on it. Oh Yeah. But yeah, because like I ended up watching a video that talked about why I guess somebody had questioned, you know, why did the war take so many years? And yeah, it was he wanted to make the galaxy that's so desperate for peace they would accept anything, any form of it. And he Which you see at the end of episode three, they very happily take the Empire and losing all those freedoms. I mean, yeah, no, they, they fully go into it. I think also the Bad Batch uh, did a great job of showing that with the episode where they go to the the uh, long tentacle head people, the dancers. Are you talking head. about the Twi'leks? Twi'leks, yes. Uh, when they go to the Twi'leks Twilight planet and they show their uh, revolutionary leader, he's ready to submit to the Empire just for peace, even uh. though... He was also just a really crappy leader, even during the Clone Wars. I'm not talking about the fat one. I'm talking about the revolutionary one that the fat one didn't like because he did care about the people. Okay, you're talking about Syndulla. Syndulla. Okay. Because he was, he was willing to forgo these freedoms because it did mean stability. He knew also what it entailed. He, just, he was scared of it, but it was one of those he begrudgingly accepted because he was tired of watching his people just fight and die. I think he was also just tired of fighting himself. Yeah. And then the, well, that changed real quick when the empire screwed them over and he's like, Oh, the flames reignited. Yep. Yeah. And you see, especially in the cartoon series, very much the second part of the opinion on the Jedi being changed over time. That was a, that was a very heavy piece in that cartoon series. That was a solidly done story arc too. Oh yeah. Like, 
impressive because yeah they didn't come at you all at once with that concept they slowly made you think about it and they honestly i feel like they used that a lot with ahsoka yep especially after she left the order they really showed what the public thought of them when she was no longer considered a jedi if it if anything i almost it almost feels like i don't you know i don't know i haven't watched any interviews so i don't know if the writers did this on purpose but it feels like we get to see the fall of the Jedi through Ahsoka's eyes. As you kind of do, yeah. Like she, Ahsoka's the stand-in, the fresh-eyed kid who comes in, loving the Jedi, thinking like, oh, the Jedi are great, yep. and slowly becomes disillusioned over time. Exactly. Which, really beautiful writing when you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving on, moving on once again. So, during the war, he would very heavily use propaganda in favor of Anakin Skywalker, quote-unquote, the hero of the Republic. Showing his dedication to it. It looked like you were about to say something there. Uh, cr- um, war criminal. <laughs> I mean, yes, when you really think into what we consider war crimes, yes, he is very... Honestly, both sides are very heavy on that one. True, but, you know, Anakin's supposed to be the uh, shining example, and... Well, they don't need to know all the details. Yeah. Uh, proceed on. Um, but they would even take advantage of his injury on Geonosis by Dooku, you know, where he got his arm cut off, uh, to show the lengths Anakin would go to protect the Republic. Uh, and he would make, make sure that the majority of the battles Anakin was in, that he would be victorious in it. And if he wouldn't, he found some reason every time to find him to pull it from the battle. Wasn't that why uh, Anakin never really went up against uh, General Grievous? Partially, but also part of it was because of a throwaway line in Episode 3. Oh, yeah. You know, when they first meet, they talk about being shorter and taller, or taller and older. Yeah. Yeah, kind of because of that line. They had to work around it. Which makes sense, but (laughs) I did like that they did throw in there to make it work they're like oh palpatine was scared of them ever facing yeah off. because he he couldn't control um grievous, grievous the way he wanted to yeah like he could generally like grievous was a good soldier and would do what a soldier did but grievous seeing a chance to take anakin out oh yeah he, he would have yeah Pal- also i don't think palpatine was very forefront with uh letting grievous know he was what all he was doing oh he definitely wasn't yeah because i'm pretty sure grievous did not know palpatine was palpatine most people didn't yeah so really the only ones who truly did was dooku to be honest well we actually go on to that a little bit later too but dooku was one of the main ones that actually knew that it's really the only one during the republic time which makes sense um but all of his propaganda for anakin he also did it to make sure when he ordered issue uh order 66 the public wouldn't see him as a hypocrite for having Anakin at his side afterwards. Because he yeah. always wanted, obviously, Anakin as his apprentice. Yeah. He didn't want the public to be looking at him like, hey, you, the Jedi do, did all this and you hate him. Why is he up there? Because he was there for the Republic. And that's and why he the... did the things that he did specifically in the war to make it to where he wouldn't be called out on it later. That's kind no, that's uh, that's actually pretty brilliant logic, right? And, uh, and strategy as far as propaganda goes. Solid, solid work, Palpatine. Solid oh yeah. Work. So after that, we kind of skip most of everything else because he has very little actual story behind the scenes during the movies. To be honest, eh, fair. I mean, he kind of already set everything in motion at that exactly point, at that point it's like you know putting bread to bake you just kind of sit back and watch it yep 
Okay, uh, what we got here? Uh, Palpatine would use uh, recordings of the fight he had with the four Jedi masters who uh, went to arrest him to his advantage and cut a new recording to show the Jedi attempting to kill and seize control of the Republic. Oh. so, And he also, I found out, they had found the journals to Windu, and he kind of altered that. So would between the journals of the journals of a Jedi Master that went, and he cut certain pieces out of his fight in the temple or in the I mean, office. Kind of have to, with right? What he did, spin attack. <laughs> but he he definitely he took advantage of that to where it made it really look like the Jedi were trying to do what he said they would do. I mean, that's pretty brilliant, actually. Yeah. Um, might as well use that as a, you know, like, yeah, no, that's solid. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have, after the fight in his office, he would contact all clone commanders personally to enact Order 66 and would declare himself as New Galactic Emperor with almost no resistance. And that's what happens when you kill pretty much all of your resistance. Yeah. So one guy like... Uh, I have a, I have an issue with this. Right. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Is like, as you see in episode three, where he's calling all the commanders, that's what he's doing to every commander in the galaxy. Like he is going through personally talking to every one of them. It's not just a mass recorded recording saying, Hey, execute this order. It's like, no, we're, we're going specifically to each one. That is a lot of calls. Yeah. To you make, imagine like, how long that actually took. Long <laughs> enough that I'm a little disappointed not one Jedi was able to get a, like, they're they're turning on us. Well, that's kind of part of how, like, when you see with Yoda, that's how he figures out because he feels the disturbances everybody else is being killed off. That's also when Ahsoka. They, yeah. Well, that was mostly also because Rex was able to hold off long enough to not shoot her right away. True. Because if you really watch that episode, if Rex didn't hold off, she would have been dead. Oh, com- probably <laughs> completely. But, but then Rex you also, is our homeboy. So. And then you got the one from Jedi Fallen Order. Um, in his cutscene, when his master dies, it's similar to Yoda where he feels that disturbance. And then he notices the clones. Mm. And he's able to survive long enough to get his apprentice out. Which yeah. is who you end up playing as in that game. Really but play that. that I think is why so many Jedi were able to still survive their commanders is because they were it was taking so long they were feeling the deaths of the order, which makes sense because uh, yeah Yoda felt that and then just went hey man right I, I still wish they had some kind of interaction with Chewie right there like what did you just do <laughs> yeah it would have been nice if Chewie for one second was like okay like I know we've known each other a long time here but. Uh, you mind telling me what's going on, buddy? Right. No, instead, Chewie's like, awesome. Let's just run away with you now. Yeah. Now that's a ride or die. Chewie, when you really think about the, what Chewie's been through with the people he's been through, Chewie's a ride or die, man. Yep. The only one that'll ever be more than him is R2. Oh, yeah. Because R2 <laughs> keeps his mouth shut. As we saw through the entire original trilogy. Yeah. And then the sequel trilogy. Yeah, literally <laughs> shut down so they couldn't find Aunt, so they couldn't find Luke. I uh, did it for you, Luke. Right. <laughs> so now we jump into the Imperial era after becoming Emperor. So this is this paragraph's kind of what we were talking about a second ago. 
that only a very small handful of people actually knew Palpatine was truly a Sith Lord outside of his apprentice and the hidden Jedi Yoda, Kenobi, and Ahsoka. Obviously, they all found out at the end of the... Or Order 66 and all that, you know. Kind of expected. Um, so, the first one, or the first two of the big ones, is the vice chair of the Galactic Senate, uh, Masamita, which is that big, tall, blue dude you see in the... In the yeah. Things. So, he knew. Huh. And then the chief of staff, Sly Moore, which was the other chick on the other side of the, like, white, alien, bald chick. Oh, yeah, so yeah. So, they both knew he was a Sith Lord. But they were, like, the only ones. Because, you know, obviously being his close political allies. Yeah, they... They kind of had to find out. And kind of at that point, you know, just... I would just say, yeah, start buddying up to him. Well, that and, like, you can kind of see with Masamita as the longer he's with Palpatine, like, the darker he looks. Because his clothes get a little darker. His face looks a little darker. So it's like being around Palpatine's corrupting him. I'm going to need to go and rewatch those because I never noticed that. I I think you notice it the most, if I remember, you see it more in uh, between episode one and three. Because, you know, before he's with Palpatine. And then you kind of see him at the end of the third. The third. Where you kind of, you kind of, it looks like he's got some massive bags under his eyes. I'm definitely going to rewatch that because I'm curious now to see it. And then. Part of with Sly Moore, his chief of staff, she's actually also one of the rumored, uh, as they put it, concubines to Palpatine. Huh. Because, you know, especially with the sequel trilogy and him having a granddaughter, it put oh. a lot of speculation onto who did he you know, yeah. do it with to have a, a, even a kid. Huh. Which we also go on that later and okay. get more detail because they never explained in the movies what happened. Yeah, they but did not. She was one of the ones that they they kind of pieced together that she's at least one of the many people he he slept with. He just slept around. You know what bothers me slightly about that is uh, he clearly had a clone made of himself. Why? Why does the clone still look like it went through the electrify, electrification? <laughs> like. I get why Palpatine probably never got that fixed because why would he in that he doesn't have to look at himself. Right. That and it just worked better with his whole Sith looking degraded and weak and helping him helping people underestimate him. Really does make you underestimate him until he starts shooting those finger right. lightnings. It's like, oh, this is just an old <laughs> So besides those five that we've already talked about. During the Imperial Era, Grand Moff Tarkin, while not being told directly, was able to deduce it. And he also was able to figure out Vader was formerly Anakin. Oh. So, which, what I remember of the stories, it was a lot of just similarities between the two. And when he when he figured out, because the next guy, Grand Moff Thrawn, also kind of figured it out. They figured out from Anakin... Or they figured out who Vader was, and from there, knowing the Sith, they kind of deduced that meant Palpatine was the Sith Lord. Makes because sense. if the only person in charge of Vader is Palpatine, kind of, yeah, it goes and, hand in hand. And Grand Moff wasn't exactly adult; like he was a fairly. Oh, Tarkin was brilliant. Yeah, he like he was a very intelligent 
guy and yep. stuff. So the, it makes sense that yeah, out of all the people to deduce it, he would be. Oh, yeah. Which I kind of skipped over because it wasn't as hugely important. But him, uh, Tarkin and Palpatine actually met when they were both very young. Really? But yeah, they were both getting into their careers. Huh. That's how long they've known each other. Oh, shit. That's quite a while. Okay. But And similar to Tarkin, Grand Admiral Thrawn, it's never been officially said that he knows Palpatine is a Sith, a Sith Lord, but it is heavily suggested that he has figured it out as well. Which, Which if you know anything about Thrawn, makes total sense. Oh, like, completely. How he wouldn't have figured it out, he'd have to not be paying attention. The only way I could see him not figuring it out is if he just legitimately didn't care to. And honestly, from a lot of it, that's kind of what it's implied, that if he never figured it out, it's because Thrawn just didn't care about the Jedi and Sith. He, yeah. he really didn't. He just wanted to make sure his people were safe. Because, yeah, no, he was, uh, that, he was ar- he's arguably one of the most dangerous generals that the Empire ever had. Which, I want to do a video on him. Dude, right? podcast, because he's got an amazing story and how he was able to kind of keep the Empire from completely dying for a while. Yeah, no, he's an impressive character, but it makes sense that if he put any thought into it, he would immediately figure it out. Right. Like, that's one of those, like, if somebody brought it to him, like, did you know this? He's like, I technically didn't, but uh, giving it five seconds of thought. uh, You're right. (laughs) Right. That is correct. You... And what does this change about what we're doing? I feel like it was it's similar to that episode in Bad Batch where they where Tech tells the group that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. And they're like, what? Well, I kind of thought it was obvious. Yeah, that's kind of what that would be. So I guess there's another one who figured it out. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Um, and along those, the besides Masamita and Sly Moore, the very obvious ones that knew were his Red Guards. Kind of. They, they knew. Because a lot of them, one, were force sensitive because they, Vader and Palpatine would handpick them. Oh. So a lot of them were already force sensitive to begin with. And then a lot of them were trained by the two of them. Makes sense. So it's like, yeah, they know. Yeah, they would kind of have to. Okay. So kind of to add insult to injury when he took over the Republic and you know killed all the Jedi. He made their temple on Corazon into his imperial palace. Partially also to because of the Sith stuff underneath it that they built the temple on. True. Uh, just turnabout's fair play at that point. Yep. That's like some old style, like unravel the flags. Let them know who's in charge now. <laughs> exactly. So what else we got here? Uh, Palpatine would create the Inquisitors and appoint Darth Vader in 18 BBY as their leader in order to hunt down the remaining Jedi who survived the initial Jedi purge. This order would last until sometime between three BBY and zero BBY. So it lasted 15 to 18 years. That's not a bad run. And literally from what I remember reading on the Inquisitorius, the only reason they died off was literally because they Sith had no more use for him because as far as they knew, the Jedi were gone. I mean, besides a few, a very small handful to that point, they're like, there's not enough left that we're not going to worry about you no more. So like at that point though, what happens? Do we just murk all of them or do we like send them on? From what I know of, that's what happened to most of them is Vader would end up killing them all, killing a lot of them. That's a little disappointing. That's, that's definitely that classic. Like we did our job too well and we're about to pay the price. (laughs) 
And kind of a fun fact about the Inquisitors is majority of them were former Jedi like Darth Vader. Yes, I, I which, do. And that was a big part of why Vader was put in charge of training them. Because he had to work them out of their Jedi tendencies to not attack and be defensive. Yeah, I, I remember that was um, in the uh, Rebel series and that. That was heavily implied with the with the head Inquisitor that they first Oh, it wasn't even with. implied. It got confirmed. Cause remember, oh, there's the episode with where he's in the... When uh, Kanan kind of was in the temple. He had his vision of the Grand Inquisitor. Yep. Grand Inquisitor was a temple guard. Yeah, yeah. No, I, for, I forgot. Yeah, that was fully confirmed. And actually, I don't think I put it on here, but it's actually been found out that, you know, the reason, you know, there are no temple guards during Order 66 in the temple was because of the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor already turned to the dark side and killed all the guards. So he was doing his own version of Order 66 as Vader was walking into the temple himself. Oh, damn. What? Yeah. Wow, that kind of worked out really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good timing there. Really good timing. Kind of sad. Because now you wonder how that battle would have gone had the temple guards been uh, right. around. It probably would have been. It probably wouldn't have changed much, but there probably would have been a whole lot more uh, clone casualties. Oh yeah, because the temple guards were nothing to scoff at. Oh god, no. Okay, uh, well let's uh, not go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> I feel like there could be a lot there. So the first assassination attempt on Emperor Palpatine's life um, would be aboard the be aboard the training cruiser Defiance. Commandant Pell Balio would secretly set his ship's course en route to crash into Christophus's sun. Vader, with some help, would end up discovering this change and change the ship's course. So part of why I didn't go in depth on this is if we ever do a Vader comic or a Vader episode, it is a Vader comic that goes over it. A mm. lot of Palpatine stuff is in other people's comics. So a lot of it really coincides more in their stories. That it kind of makes sense. It's similar to that whole Raiden thing. Like yeah. they're they're the people behind pulling the strings. Yeah, where we talked about a lot of his stuff in the first episode was Sub Zero and Scorpion. Yeah, like a lot of Palpatine stuff we'd actually be covering as well in Vader's. Yeah, no, that uh that that tracks, that makes sense. So Okay, that, so that we, makes we've sense. skipped definitely a lot of stuff in the Imperial era because of that. Because there are other characters we're going to do that are going to be heavily influenced by this character. Like, we've already had a lot to talk about him because of Luke. Yeah, true. Luke, um, heck, all these characters that keep popping up that he is manipulating and involved in. So it makes sense. We can can cover that stuff later. Okay. Uh, He would spend most of his time in the early stages of the Empire, building it, and later would spend his time trying to find immortality and continuing to train Vader. Because majority of his time as emperor, at a certain point, he just left it up to his ruling council, and he just did his Sith stuff. It kind of makes sense as long as you keep an eye on them and make sure they're yep. not working against you. Just let the people who are literally spent their entire lives training to do to run things right. Let them just run things, and which we see up until the original trilogy did a pretty good job at it. They really did. Honestly, also there's a lot of. There's a lot of argument and um, reasoning that, like, the Empire, not as bad as we might think. Were they fascist dictator leaders who committed mass genocide? Yes. Was the universe a slightly safer, more regulated place with them in charge? Also, yes. 
Right? It was definitely one of those that it was a double-edged sword. Yeah. Like the galaxy was definitely in a better state. But the ruling government was also horrible. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not defending them. <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, was the alternative of just running around shooting willy-nilly. I mean, as often as the galaxy was at war in some form while the Republic was in charge, the Empire really did a better job. They really did. They, Which is really sad to think about. It is. But freedom breeds uh, breeds war. And, that, and subjugation breeds peace. It's mm-hmm. sad to think it, about. It really is a sad thing to think about. But safer in a cage than it is in that field. Fucked up statement, I know. Also, sorry for saying the F word. <laughs> I, I've been pretty good about this episode, but it that is a effed up statement. That oh, yeah. Also, slightly accurate. Uh, I am also not a fascist. I'm a Native American. <laughs> I do not support the Reich. <laughs> okay. You would also... He also had, he also had uh, worked on cloning himself on the secret Sith world Exegol. Yeah, so the world you see in Episode Nine. Yeah, the Sith world. Yeah, he he already found it long before, and that's when that's where all that cloning stuff originated from. Is when he first found it. You know, he started his projects during the Imperial era huh. on that planet. Which kind of makes sense because I remember in the original like uh, legend stuff, he was big into cloning then too. Oh yeah, that's why I was like, unlike a lot of people who get very upset about Palpatine returning as a clone, the I re- really wasn't because like that's what he's already done. I remember. So many times. I remember when he did appear. Somebody was like, I "Can't believe he's bringing him back as a clone." I'm like, "Do you know nothing of the extended universe, Palpatine?" Right? It's like this is kind of what he does. He's all about clones. We literally sat through three movies of clone stuff. Did you not think he used that? Right? Because that was actually part of some of the cloning stuff he used. He tried to use the Kaminoan technology and techniques. Which makes sense. They kind of owned the market on the concept. Oh, yeah. And up because actually up until the Clone War, they owned, like, literally they owned it. Because they were the only ones that did cloning. They were very expensive for it. But they also never did up until that point. They never did armies. They did individuals. Which makes sense. So they were like the people to go to if you wanted it. And granted, it was usually only the rich that could ever afford it. But True, true, but still. And it wasn't until really the Clone Wars that other places would have cloning technology really readily available. Because of, well, Palpatine. Yeah, I, I can see it. Palpatine would definitely make that thing. Well, part of that was because, you know, when you make your war last on so long and a, one of your armies can only be bred so fast compared to the other side, you yeah. had to find techniques to make them quicker. Yep. Nope. That's true. True. Because I feel like he should have started that cloning process a little bit sooner to have a lot more troops in case and ready to go by the time you started your war. Yeah, but... uh you know, he everybody loves an underdog story, and <laughs> arguably him playing both sides wouldn't really matter. Right. So what? This war didn't quite work out the way I fully planned on it. Uh, let's start brewing another war in this galaxy. It's pretty much exactly how that went. It makes sense. Uh, where I? Okay, we now are. we're at post-death. So, obviously after the original trilogy... And we don't really go deep into his time in the sequel trilogy, obviously, because he doesn't have a lot of appearance. True. It's kind of more of what helps kind of lead up to right after the Empire and then kind of what leads into him becoming his clone that we see. 
Okay. So it's a very small section compared to the rest. Fair. So post-death, um, as you see in the Battlefront 2 game, and you hear about it in Mandalorian, he ordered what was called Operation Cinder to begin. This would be his... an, op, an yeah. This would be an orbital bombardment campaign to punish the Galactic Empire for, for preventing his death. Or for failing to prevent his death. There we go. Um, satellites would be used to disrupt a planet's atmosphere and cause natural disasters on a planet on the planet large enough to destroy them. Most targets were main Imperial worlds, including his homeworld Naboo. The operation lasted for, for a year from 4ABY to 5ABY. Didn't one of the games actually cover that? Yeah, like I said, uh, the second Battlefront game. Okay, yeah. That's what I was saying at the beginning, like you see in, a, in Battlefront 2. Okay, Because that's yeah. actually a part of its campaign. Okay. As you I... go through Operation Cinder and you see from the point of an Imperial who doesn't agree with what's going on because now you're starting to subjugate and screw over your own people that have been very loyal to you the whole time. Which is kind of, yeah, that's kind of an ass move. Yeah, but like, that was Palpatine's thing, as we saw early on in when he found the planet Jakku, that he had that mentality of, if you can't keep me alive, you don't deserve to be around anymore. Oh, which, actually, that's actually a good time to bring up um, uh, Tarkin was actually considered very unique because he would give the his people underneath him second chances and not just kill them. Yeah, but here, I mean, most of the actual Imperials were like that. Yeah. It was just really Vader and Palpatine. True. But I, I love how that is considered a unique trait in the Empire, is giving your generals second chances. Well, when the main guy in charge is just often his admirals and his generals, you know, anything other than that is going to be considered unique. True. And it's also one of those like, okay, so I get, I get, you, I get they messed up one time, and you're, and you want to punish them. Um, we are running out of men. We are also running out of fake facial hair to put on the men that we pretend you choke. Robot chicken reference. <laughs> I had to. Okay. I guess moving on. Uh, unlike his. Unlike his master, he was able to prevent his uh, demise thanks to in part to the cloning and to his knowledge of the dark side. Using the ability of essence transfer, he sent his consciousness to a new body on Exegol, but with all of this immortality still looted him. As his power in the dark side was so immense, his body began to decay. Ooh. And that might explain why he looks like a wrinkly old man. Exactly. That's why. It's because every time he tried to get a new body, they couldn't keep up with the power he had. Uh, Okay. That that makes more sense now. Okay. Especially because with cloning, you can't clone a Force-sensitive in canon. Legends, they played around with that a lot. Yeah. But in canon, you can't put... Everybody's hated word... You can't put metachlorian. You can't because <laughs> metachlorians happen naturally. They aren't present in clones. So without metachlorians, you can't have the force. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. That. So and with the bodies not being able to sustain his power, they very quickly would decay. So he actually would transfer a lot. He had a lot of bodies he went through. Oh damn. Okay. That makes more sense. Uh, 
So continuing on, his body would continue to deteriorate so much that he would become unable to move and even leave the planet, forcing him to forcing him into exile for years. He would patiently plot his return to the ultimate revenge on the Skywalker family. As we all see, you know, he ends up using, and we actually talk about it later, so I'm not going to go into that part, but that's kind of why he's on that, like, crane or whatever is holding him that because he couldn't move anymore okay that makes sense dang that really just kind of sucks like right that i remember that reminds me of somebody asked me they're like so if you could be immortal for the rest of your life but you you would be weak to a point where like you could only pick up like five pounds would be heavy to you would you still do it apparently palpatine would well, you know, he, he thought eventually he'd be able to get get away from that. <laughs> not, not soon enough before, right. before Ray came in. Oh, good on you, girl. Which we actually kind of go into that part now. Ooh. Um, so Sith Eternal Cult, which you see in Episode 9, um, they would try to create clones for Palpatine to inhabit. Um, one such clone would become regarded to as his son, who lacked any Force sensitivity. Um even though being considered by Palpatine as a very big disappointment, he was permitted to live as he continued his bloodline, and he had hopes they would achieve a more favorable result naturally, which these hopes would be realized in 15 ABY when his son would meet a woman and they would have Force-sensitive daughter, Rey. Oh. So that kind of explains how what the movies never did explains how Rey is related to Palpatine. That does. So, in a way, she's technically his daughter, not his granddaughter, because his, his son's, son's not clone. his son. <laughs> it gets really weird there. I mean, I guess technically, that really gets into the deep stuff, because even that part, that body of Palpatine is not even his original. Oh, cloning. Right. Oh, my God. So, I guess not really his daughter, granddaughter, or anything. She's a... I don't really know how to go into that one. She technically possesses his uh, biological DNA through a series of... um, Unfortunate events. Unfortunate (laughs) events. So technically she is biologically related to him, but as far as what she is, that's up for debate. Fans... That is a very big debate. Yes. Fans proceed to bicker in the comments. Because you know it's Star Wars, you know there's going to be someone doing it. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. Your fandom hates itself. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, every other fandom can at least get along when they discuss things. Not the Star Wars fans. They, like, go at each other's throats. Oh, yeah. Go for real kill, quick kills, too, I've seen. Uh, the Sith Eternal cult would create Snoke while trying to make clones, who Palpatine would use as a puppet to train Ben Solo and run the First Order. Which, that was a big disappointment. It was. I wish they had gone more into that and dealt with Snoke a little bit more. Maybe give us a bring back a character right. type thing. Uh, that would have been nice. But you know what? I'm not the one who uh, pissed off directors and messed that whole series up. So. Yeah. Let's not get into that one. Yeah, let's move on before the fans come at us. <laughs> so we get to close out with his some of his force abilities and his lightsaber skills. Oh, my God. That's a lot. So... Sidious was amongst the most powerful force users in, the gal- in galactic history, being the master of force lightning. He was also very skilled in telekinesis, which we see his proficiency with that with his duel in Yoda in the Senate Chambers in Episode 3. 
Oh yeah, we do. Because you can see how how easily he just moved multiple platforms around while he's sitting on a floating platform itself. That like, yeah, he no. was amazing with it. That actually really was impressive, uh, and yeah, he just kind of willy nilly starts throwing them and laughing. Right, and he even another example that they gave in the the wiki was on the second Death Star. He barely raised a finger to unlock Luke's handcuffs. Like he barely did anything, and he was able to use the telekinesis to unlock him. I mean, I think one of the good examples, too, is when he goes after Darth Maul in the Clone Wars series. Oh, yeah. And he just walks through all the guards, basically even choking them before he's in the room. Right. Just with, like, barely moving his hands, too. Like, Which, dang. Actually, we also get a slight talk about that during uh, this next part, because he's also highly skilled with Force Choke. He was being he was shown to being able to effortlessly kill two Mandalorians at the same time. Where you know most people they have to focus on one. Yeah. He's true. just like, no. Um he was also able to show his ability to reach through hundreds of light years um to choke people using only hollow transmission. Slimmer to what you see with Vader in the movies where he's doing it through the transmissions on the ships. Ah uh, yeah. But he couldn't do it quite as far as his master could. Because if I remember correctly, that was just uh, one of the ships that was like Yeah, it was usually very fairly close to him. Yeah. Maybe a system or two over, but not hundreds of light years away. Oh, heck, I uh, don't know if you have it in here, but I also remember in a comic, he destroys a Star Destroyer with the Force. That's right, yeah. Yeah, just straight up rips it apart. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's probably not in here because I think that was probably Legends. Oh, I never saw anything on here. Shit, you're right. That was, that, yeah, no, you're right. That was Legends. My bad. It's so hard to keep track of what, what is and what isn't. It really is. Legends had some good comics. They did. Okay, proceed. And that's actually really all I had on the force. Because <laughs> he, he was very strong with it, oh, yeah. but he wasn't as varied. He, he focused he, very heavily on certain ones. He honed what he had. He wasn't a jack of all trades. He was definitely a king of few. He was lightning, telekinesis, and choke. Those were his big three. That was his trinity. Yeah. And he, so I'm sure, obviously, besides his ability to hide his presence in the force... That was really the only ones he ever majorly used. Fair. Uh, by me, if you're that good at those, do you really need much else? Like, no yeah. other Jedi stood to him. So. Actually, thinking about it, one of the other ones he used briefly, or at least what is said to what he used, was during his fight with the Jedi Masters in his office, was the Sith Battle Cry, or Battle Scream. I don't remember what the actual type, term is. But when he yelled as he did his little spin, it throws off, it messes with your opponents and their ability to think straight. So that's how oh. he was able to kill the first two like that. Okay. That makes... Which compared to the books, which I have found out, um, the second, the third master that he killed, Kit Fisto, lasted much longer in the books than he did in the movie. Yeah. But I guess because of the fighting form that Fisto had mastered, which was the first form, he was so unpredictable. That's why he was the next one to die as quickly as possible. He, Palpatine knew he could let him live. Yep. And then if he I, just kind of got screwed over by facing Windu. If I remember correctly, too, it was even shown, uh, like somebody broke it down. He, if he could have, he wanted to kill um, uh, Mace first. Oh, yeah. But he, when he realized he couldn't take out Mace immediately, he took out all the others because he knew 
he had to focus all his attention on oh yeah Mace. like had another been alive mace would have taken him i mean crap if it wasn't for anakin mace already took him yeah true yeah and actually from Damn it, anakin which actually because of anakin is also why he was able to uh kill fisto when he did because you know, they talk about it in one of the videos I watched that kind of described the difference between the movie and the book. In the book, Fisto gets um, caught off guard by feeling uh, Luke's or Anakin's presence in the building. So that's what caught him off guard for Palpatine to get him. So, you know, Anakin really just screwed it up for the last two masters. You know, I really, I really, I didn't want my own biological kids i just really wanted to adopt and i i now i'm really having second thoughts here because anakin just if it wasn't for you know the whole <laughs> plot hole of they have to make certain things happen yeah i think things would have been very different in that original tri- or in that prequel trilogy true 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 but yeah. for the fact that it had to lead up into the original trilogy it, which is always that's always the problem with prequels right is it's one of those like you see so many plot holes but you're like Oh no! It has to happen because otherwise this movie that's, couldn't exist. That's honestly why I hated watching like the uh, Clone Wars series. Yeah, knowing all those times they could have killed and captured Dooku, but you know he makes it to the third movie, so he can't die. Yet. Same with General Grievous. Like they straight up had him at one point with the Gungan army. Right? Like there are so many times that so much should have changed, and it's like. Nope, it's got to survive for the movie. That's got to be a rough spot to be in as a writer. Right. Okay, (laughs) let's move on to the lightsabers. Sidious also had mastered all seven forms of lightsaber fighting styles. And while he preferred using only one saber, he was also proficient with two. But he still preferred using his force abilities over actually fighting. He was so powerful in lightsaber combat, and his style was was a uh, combination of brutal aggression, extreme speed, and lethal precision, making him almost unstoppable. The only known person to defeat him in a duel was Mace Windu. Which makes sense. Which, uh, to be honest, I don't know if we'll ever do a Windu video, but that was because of Windu's specific fighting style. It worked against dark side users. Yeah. Because his style used, I remember you, it was one that is technically a Sith fighting style that the Jedi forbade because it required you to use your emotions to use it. Yep. But Windu made a variation of it to where it used his opponent's emotions. So it took all that rage and all that power from Palpatine and pretty much just put it right back onto him. Which, arguably, as far as a technique to use against a Sith... That's kind of perfect. It, it really is. That's why he was the perfect one to be in that duel with Palpatine. And but, yeah, he was winning it. Oh, he he had won it. He, yeah. If it wasn't for Anakin, pa- Windu won. There, yep. there was no question on that one. Uh, which um, I also think I remember seeing Palpatine actually kind of despised using lightsabers. Oh yeah. Considered them a uh, like a savage thing. Yeah. Um, the, that was the thing with Dooku. He was a very big outlier of his time. Grand part of that was because of his Jedi past. He was already used to lightsaber combat. Yep. But he was bigger with the saber fighting than he was with his force abilities. But that was the thing with the law of the Sith of that time and of the rule of two. They focused more on the force because being in hiding, you couldn't use your sabers as often. 
So makes you had to perfect sense. other things. Which that actually, that makes actual perfect sense. Which, because of that, and knowing, well, yes, he mastered all the forms. He still wasn't the best duelist, as you see with him and Yoda. That's why he goes back to using the Force and getting distance. Because mm. he wasn't doing so hot in the actual lightsaber combat. Yeah, no, that uh, that tracks, which which is really impressive because like his lightsaber form in combat still is not <laughs> subpar. Well, depends on which one he's using. Yeah, I guess. As I found out, he mastered all of them. He he what? didn't. Well, that was the beginning of that whole paragraph. Oh wait, there's only seven forms. Yeah, I mean each form usually has two versions to it, so technically there's more like fourteen. But officially, there's only seven actual forms. Huh. I don't know why I thought there'd be more. Probably because technically there's the two for each of them on average. Yeah, I, I guess I also thought there'd be more because I assumed it's all seven forms was like, I don't know, maybe the Sith had seven, maybe the Jedi had seven. No, they, or something. they both had the same styles where like the one that Windu used was more predominantly used by the Sith. Hmm. Kind of similar to the one that um, Darth Maul used. I don't know. His was... Pr- Primarily because of being dual wielding or using a dual saber and oh. just his aggression. But most of them, most Jedi only focus on like three of them. Okay. It's usually up, to, I think it was actually the first five on average. I don't know what I'm going to do with this knowledge now that I have it, but um, <laughs> it's going to, I'm going to have to ponder. I mean, Fisto, besides Fisto, there's nobody that's really known to have mastered the first form because it was just that basic form that got people into learning the lightsaber. Makes sense. Most of them focused, I want to say it was two, four, and five. What was uh, Obi-Wan's? His was... Wow, we had just talked about it on Luke. I want to say his was Form 3. I know the name of it is Sarisu. I want to say it was Form 3. But his was like that purely defensive style. Yeah, which made him, honestly, a major threat to uh, characters like... um, What was it? Grievous. Uh, so that's why, besides... Um, Mace? No. Can I give his name now? The one who died next to Mace. Kit Fisto. Oh, Kit Fisto, yep. But, like, that's why Fisto was the only other person to, because of his fighting style, him and uh, Obi-Wan were the only ones that have really ever beat Grievous. Because, um... Oh, now, now you screwed me up. <laughs> But Kit Fisto and Obi-Wan were the only ones really to beat Grievous because Fisto's was so unpredictable. The robotic mind of Grievous couldn't keep up with him and predict what was next. And then Obi-Wan because he was only defensive. Grievous, what he did was he would mimic his opponent and use it against them. You can't really use a defensive form exactly. to attack. And the fact that at that point, Obi-Wan had mastered his form. That makes sense. Okay. Well, um, but for all of you out there, that's uh, Palpatine. And for anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.